Realising the Ambition podcast. We're really lucky to have Marion and Liz from HMIE and Education Scotland with us. There's lots to get on with, so very short introduction. But first, apologies for the typing noise. It comes in twice. The first was around about how close to be to a mic. And the second was my lovely son who wanted to show me some work. Um, the joys of homeworking. Anywho, please sit back, relax and enjoy Marion Burns and Liz Patterson. Hello, Bex. It's Marion Burns here. Um, I'm an HMI with Education Scotland and one of the co-authors of Realising the Ambition Being Me. Fantastic. And we're also joined today by Liz Patterson. Hi, Liz. Hi, Bex. It's lovely to be here and thank you for asking me to come. I'm also an HMI inspector with Education Scotland and I've been working alongside my other two colleagues on realising the ambition being me. Excellent. So this is um, the third episode uh, of this series, which is really lucky. Um, and we've been able to kind of talk about the background to realising the ambition and how it came about. But the purpose of this particular conversation is to see how the kind of messages in realising the ambition might support um, early learning and childcare settings and primary schools, actually, in thinking about how to support their children and communities in the circumstances that we find ourselves at the moment. <laughs> well, I just have a wee start here then. Yeah, that'd be lovely. Thank you. Can pick up from from there. Um, I think when we wrote uh, together, realizing the ambition being me, none of us could foresee just how useful a document and piece of you know guidance and work that was going to be for early learning and childcare sector and early stages of primary, one could argue, and beyond. Mm. Um, but yes, there are sections within the guidance that are going to come, particularly come into their own, uh, and we'll be happy to explore those, I'm sure, both of us uh, in the course of this uh, podcast. <laughs> Great. Yeah, absolutely, Marion. Um, who could have foreseen that the situation that we currently find ourselves in, in this lockdown situation, and how that's going to affect our littlest children and the children in primary school, it's going to be uh, quite a sticky situation over the next little while. But um, I think there's lots of messages in, B in RCA that's going to help with those, um, and hopefully we'll have a wee bit of a discussion around that today. Great. I think I would pick up on that um, and just say that I think the relationships, mm. which of course is threaded right through the document, are really going to be so important if we're thinking about, and you know, clearly we don't know yet, and it's not for us to determine these um, decisions, but as children and young people may get back to uh, education, uh, early learning and childcare, those relationships in which um, so much of their learning is founded are really going to be the, the thing, the conduit, I think, through which we can help children settle back into a life which will appear to them to be different to what they've been used to over the last however many months that it might turn out to be. But really forging and, and strengthening those connections are going to be so important uh, to reassure parents, yeah. but also to... Um, to help the staff, be they practitioners or teachers, in, in, in you know taking the young children from where they're at. And I'm seeing just an awful lot of rhetoric around just now about catching up and missing oh, out. Yes. Yeah. You know, that, we haven't stopped 
children are continuing to develop and for some we, we do not know yet whether that's been interrupted or actually do you know what it might for some children be just the very thing that they're needing yeah. to be with parents emotionally to build and on those relationships at home so it, 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 some of it's unknown, but I do think that right at the backbone of it all it are about relationships and about the environments that children will encounter. Yeah, I think picking up on something that you said there, Marion, is around about the learning that's happening at home. Because I think one of the jobs for um, the early learning and childcare teams at the moment is to support parents in recognising that they're doing probably a fantastic job. You know, matching the socks, yeah. <laughs> cooking having a chat with your kids that's that's the bread and butter of yeah. their learning yeah i would agree with that too and i think one of the things that we say in our ca is that we'll always be doing the right thing if we are aware of what each child's development needs are and the key thing here is that um that we provide support and interaction and and help Mm -hmm. all those children and parents you said something there around about the relationships being key and I wonder one of the things that I've been thinking about is the fact that actually the transitions for our children coming back in are going to be quite major because some may have been in um, the hubs some may have been in um, early learning and childcare settings that they're not used to but also we're going to have to start thinking around about supporting staff to transition because it's going to be quite a massive change for everybody so, yeah. yeah, I think if you think of one of the sections in RT and it talks about self-care and taking care of yourself, that, mm. that was really, I suppose, focused on the staff themselves. So those transitions matter not just to the child, but you're right, they matter to me, me as the, the practitioner, me as the, and the caregiver. It's in that in its widest sense. So yeah. clearly, you know, establishments, authorities, if it's private, private voluntary sector, that's going to fall on, on say, leaders, managers to be thinking about what are my staff team coming back from? Because there's bound to have been in every home and every community bereavement and loss that has to be dealt with. And that in itself is a significant transition for people to, um, to deal with, to, to have to find ways through. So when we talk in the, in the section eight about vertical and horizontal transitions, mm -hmm. so this is going to be a significant vertical transition for for staff coming, leaving home and moving to something familiar in one sense, but unfamiliar in a different because the world will have moved on. And parents too are going to need that level of support uh, and thinking about, I mean, what level of confidence will they now have mm -hmm. that their child is you know leaving the security of, of the home uh, and that's not necessarily the, the case across the piece because we know there are vulnerable children and families out there hence the, the emergency hubs but if we think about you know planning for those transitions uppermost i think in everybody's mind will have to be the social and emotional well-being of everybody concerned mm -hmm. yeah I think, just going back to the bit, what you said there, Marion, about, um, about the importance of self-care for staff. Um, I think when we were writing, real, realising the ambition, it, we had in our minds that it was going to be for staff 
um, particularly. Um, but the, the most overriding thing about it was that, and this is picked up actually just particularly on the launch day, um, when the minister, Mary Todd, was there, she spoke about it being powered by love. And, and that was a really important thing for us, that the whole thing was powered by love. Um, for, I love for young children, our, our staff's love for young children, but I, I mean, we wouldn't have anticipated the situation that we were currently in now about COVID-19 and the issues that that's throwing up. But if a section was so relevant then, it's even more relevant now. Mm -hmm. That whole bit about um, taking care of ourselves, making sure that we're doing the best for each other, that we're it's not just about us as individuals, it's for the team that we're in. Um, and it's not also to say that we're not superhuman either. There will be times that when we're feeling grim, there will be times when we're feeling upset. And it's just so important that we hang on to those things that we know that we can exceptionally well in our settings, like caring for one another, supporting one another, keeping in contact. Um, we can't underestimate that, and that's a really important situation. Yeah, and I think part of what you said there was around about um, that coming together and being kind to each other. Um, there's a bit in the RTA on page 25 about the self and the social development. And obviously young yeah. children at, at the kind of ages that we're talking about are just inherently social beings. They want that contact. But it's about that. Um, the, the, the section goes, as children develop, they have the dual task of building a secure sense of self and of discovering how to be with others and do things collectively, which is not even easy and does not happen quickly. But that also seems to be kind of where we are at the moment. Um, we're, we're at a dis or we're at, that's a big challenge for both staff and for, for our youngest learners. I can probably pick up on that a little bit and then I'll hand back over to Liz. Uh, you know, that developing a sense of self is really, I think, rooted in children's play and discovery of their exploration. And the role of the adults is to be able to, I think, ensure that children um, still have those opportunities. And I know there are going to be challenges, and, you know, that's much around this social distancing or physical distancing. But in listening to and doing some reading just very recently, children um, don't need to be um, like physically close all the time. I mean, that wouldn't be natural anyway. They will go and play. They will go and play by themselves for a while, depending on the age and stage of development. So I think we need to reassure staff that we're not artificially trying to you know, promote that self and social development. Children are naturally inherently sociable, mm -hmm. and, mm -hmm. and if we, we are looking and thinking that you know that through their play, either parallel play, solitary play, they are still developing, and we should take comfort in the fact that these are the kind of things that we would want them to do and to continue to do. I think coming in on that as well, Mary, and um, I think there's a bit about we anticipate what children are thinking here, but actually we don't really know what they're thinking. They know that things are different, but they might not know always why they're different. They will know that they're not seeing their gran or their grandpa or their friends, etc. 
but they, they don't know the underlying issues of that. And I think one of our other colleagues who helped us write this was James McTaggart, our educational psychologist from Highland. And he writes really important things about um, understanding what children's stress is about and because how they can manage stress mm -hmm. and how they often, um, in that managing stress, they don't really know what it is that's making them feel sad or feeling them upset. Mm -hmm. And that our role, and this is so so important for our staff, and ELC staff are absolutely great at doing this, is reassuring children, being able to reassure them. And you know, we often talk about to give a hug or not to give a hug. Sometimes giving a hug now is the most important thing that we could absolutely do mm -hmm. for our children. And I think it's a situation that will be ongoing, that will develop. One of the things that would be good to do, and it's so natural, is to get outside with the children. Yeah. And, and to be out there in that open space. Many children will have those experiences, even in isolation just now, but other children won't. So I think one of the key things, and how the mechanics of all this is managed is another story, but to get children outside and to be in the open air, yeah. recording the environment, doing normal things that they would normally do is going to be part of the way that we can move forward with this. Absolutely. Yes, definitely. Um, and I think that the, the video that came from Jason Leach, I think, was actually quite a comfort for a lot of people working in ELC around about the fact that, yes, of course, if you're working with small children, they need that physicality sometimes. But you can also look after yourself by then going and washing your hands. And, you know, yeah. that's the, that sort of reassurance is quite nice. Yeah, yeah. I think, too, when, you know, we ones are um, feeling that fear and anxiety. Um, I was thinking about this for a, a friend of me one recently, actually. Um, she started to cry, but she wasn't actually sure what she was crying about. Mm -hmm. And there was another little child who was beside her. And she looked up and she started to cry as well. And how often have we seen that? The mm -hmm. children actually join in, but they've actually no idea what what the thing is that they're upset about. Um, so I think, again, that builds on our staff's real intuition with the children that they know best and how, how to manage that, to take that forward. So it's not unusual to see two or three children all crying at the same time, but actually not really knowing what it is they're crying about. But fear and sadness kind of is an overriding thing mm -hmm. for, for young children. And how do they express that? They do cry and they get upset. So goes back to those interactions, goes back to those strong relationships and that positivity that we can give over to, to our wee ones that we look after. I would add into that is responsiveness. And out, of, out of all of that is the, the responsiveness of staff. And as you've already alluded to, staff are, are really attuned to that. Yeah. And you know, if you're working with babies, toddlers, you know, young children, and I, I think we'll, we probably need to give the confidence to our colleagues in early stages of primary mm -hmm. that it's absolutely okay to be responsive in that way. Yeah. 
is is to take your lead from the child is to, to kind of just scan you know your space your room and see where do i need to be in this space yeah. and you don't always need to be physically right beside them but you know yourself children like to know if you're even in the room yeah. depending on you know and what they're doing but if you know if you're there and you're the, in the environment they they can be reassured now who knows maybe we're going to need an awful lot more of that responsiveness and thinking about you know what kind of attachment issues are we going to encounter mm. and i know speaking from my own grandson's um perspective he's going to be five uh, in a few weeks and would be going to school and right now he is literally attached to my daughter everywhere she goes yeah and and so there's i think he won't be the only one i'm sure he would be and thinking about what's the role of that you know the, the last teacher the primary one teacher what kind of collaborations can there be between the elc staff where he was in, you know at a nursery at, um, and can they work together can they be sharing information the way they would so that's maybe where the digital um technology is going to come to its own maybe just as we're doing here sharing on skype and talking so we can't do the normal things around transition but i think sitting at the back of it is that how do we deal with an attachment issue and it's not just the attachment of the child but the parent as well and the carer who has, has spent endless hours in the company of the children which they wouldn't normally do absolutely so I, think we need to be, I think we need to be putting out some reassuring tones into the system that say you actually know these children very well you maybe need to rewind the tape a little bit and remind yourself of what you knew of them but that journey will not have stopped they will have moved on but actually the child now needs just a different kind of support yeah. to get them to to feel confident self-assured using that you know the terminology of executive function borrowing our strengths to help them settle in as they transition into whatever setting they find themselves in yeah definitely one of the things that we're looking at in edinburgh is how to support that transition with the recognition that you know this term normally things would be well underway already children would have been starting to visit their primary one classroom there would have been reciprocal visits from teachers maybe into settings and those kinds of things and so it is it's how how can we do that digitally with the understanding though that our children are concrete <laughs> and they need um to touch and feel and exist and experience um i don't know if you want to try and unpick that a bit <laughs> i think one of the things that and again it sits alongside the kind of you know the, the philosophy within realizing the ambition is about the environment you know and Reggio talks about it being the third educator so that physical environment i don't think and i know there's that rite of passage there's that expectation that p1 will be different will look different parents sometimes reinforce that by going out to buy the school uniform mm -hmm. and the school bag and the, you know all of that because these are things in in life that you do I do wonder if we need to think quite clearly uh, about what the environment in a P1 classroom will look like. And I don't think photographs or videos of, you know, desks and chairs and a very formal structure are necessarily helpful. 
I, I would mm -hmm. suggest that we need to have things looking this similar, not necessarily exactly the same, mm -hmm. but we do need to think about how how can we help ease those children into their their transition into a new environment. What is it that's going to look a wee bit the same and a little bit different? I wonder what it is. I agree with you there, Maureen, completely because it's that familiarity that's going to be the, the hook that makes the transition as, as best as it can be. And that um, we've all seen recently, I'm sure, some photographs of not necessarily um, in Scotland, but further afield of going back many, many years to what classrooms might look like now, sitting in rows mm -hmm. or divided off or whatever, their heart sinks at the thought of that happening for, for young children. Yeah. Um, but I think absolutely the familiarity of spaces which are attractive, where children can play, where they have materials that they can build with, loose parts that they can look at, touch, describe, talk about, all these things are absolutely essential factors in how we make that transition period just a little bit closer and that little bit easier for them. Uh-huh. And one of the things, <laughs> sorry, Marion, one of the things that um, it's you know quite clear when you're thinking about things in terms of the effect that this is having on different families, is that some people are finding this much harder than others that you know the effects are not felt equally that came out from one of the papers that the Scottish government um released and i think it's it pulls back a bit of what you were talking about Marion, in that actually for all children relationships are going to be key but for those children who find things more difficult particularly making sure that we adapt to them and don't try to force things moving too quickly um so that lots of positive relationship building lots of play lots of interactions rather than moving to what you were talking about, Liz, the sort of old school, straight into, we've got to catch up, do you know, we've got to go. And I think hearing that message that actually, you know, it is just the most important thing that we get those relationships and set the ethos um, in the first place. Okay, so that's the last part of that conversation. Um, we're about to go into episode four, but for me, the things worth pulling out are that social and emotional well-being are first and foremost that is the official message coming from education scotland and also we need to be kind to each other and ourselves we have to recognize we're not superhuman hands up if you've cried over literally dropping a teaspoon at some point over the last few weeks so take our lead from the child plan for the child we have in front of us and permission from our primary colleagues to really explore and transform how we deliver education for all of our kids.